Welcome to Pastor's Class, a Bible study program brought to you by Tim Say Ministries and Crossover Church. We pray this podcast will help enrich and strengthen your walk with Jesus Christ, and that it will lead you to read and study the scriptures more often. For more information about Tim Say Ministries and Crossover Church, please visit www.crossoverchurch.tv or give us a call at 301-927-5620. Good evening again. And we're very happy and excited to be back to continue our uh, two-part series on conflict uh, in, re- in um, relationships that we call fighting for the win-win. When we were asked to teach a lesson on conflict um, resolution, I, I imagine we were invited to do that because we work with engaged couples a lot, and so you know that you know, we have to kind of talk about all that kind of thing in relationships. Can you hear her okay? Sorry. Is it high? Okay. Excuse us. No, they just, they just turned it up. Oh, okay. Yeah. So thank you. <laughs> so when we were asked to teach this lesson, one of the things we, we came up with the title Fighting for the Win-Win because, you know, you don't get out of this life without a fight somewhere. I mean, there's going to be some, some stuff somewhere, right? But instead of fighting one another, we wanted to focus on ganging up on the things that damage relationships and ganging up so, so we work together and the fight that we fight is not against one another because when we're in relationships with our parents, our, our children, our, uh, extent, our blended families, anybody in blended families, we, we have a blended family. So when you get all those relationships and all that craziness sometimes, sometimes we forget who the real enemy is. And so we chose the, t- the title, Fighting for the Win-Win, to encourage us that we want to get together and fight the real enemies against our relationship. And so the, this particular series focuses on conflict. And so we've been talking a lot about ways to uh, get rid of the kind of conflict that will damage our relationships and, and wreck our peace. So I want to start with a super brief review from last week. And I'll let you know that the topics we're covering, we defined what um, conflict is, the way we're using it. We um, talked about the ways that we can get into conflict. And tonight we're going to talk about some ways to avoid needless conflict and how to resolve conflict. And then we said we were going to talk to you a little bit about what to do when it's too late. We always encourage people to not wait when there's conflict, but sometimes it might be too late to resolve an issue with someone. And we wanna talk a little bit at the end about what that might look like. So I'm gonna start with just briefly um, talking about, also, excuse me, there is a tape, I think, from last week. So if there are some of the details, we won't cover them tonight, but you'll be able to hear them on the tape. So just to let you know our definition, we are defining conflict for this series as a serious disagreement or argument that's usually something that's ongoing. It's very contentious. It's not a simple argument. When you have a simple argument, you disagree, you might you know, yell and scream a little bit, might have a little heat in your argument. But with a simple disagreement, the agreement ends, it's over, it's done. Nobody feels beat up and bruised. Nobody has resentment. Nobody's planning to let the air out of anybody's tires, right? Because we know we have arguments and they come in, they go, and they're done, and you're not thinking about them anymore. Well, what we're talking about is not that. We're talking about conflict, and we talked about the definition last week that I won't go into, sort of the roots of the word, but the roots of the word have the idea to beat and to dash down. It is a competition that says, I will win, and I will damage you 
as I attempt to win. And so this is the kind of attitude that when we bring this to our arguments and when we bring this kind of attitude to our relationships, these are the things that damage relationships, that destroy relationships, and that fracture families. And that's why we wanted to talk to you about these things tonight. So I want to also clarify what I'm not talking about. And you'll see on this slide that we are not discussing physical violence when we talk about conflict in this teaching. Uh, we're Christians, and physical violence is not ever acceptable at all, at all, at all, at all. It should never be named among us, and there is no excuse for it. Someone doesn't deserve abuse. Someone wasn't asking for abuse. And so something that I asked people to do last week, and if you're here and you weren't here last week, you'll see on the screen a hotline number and an 800 number. And I ask everybody to write them down if they wouldn't, so I invite you to write them down, not because you necessarily need it, but because it's a difficult thing for people who are experiencing this to come forward and find help. And we as believers should have an answer to help people when we can. And so I invite you to write this down if you don't already have this somewhere. Keep it in your wallet. So if someone should come up to you and tell you that they have this problem, that we have an answer to give them. These are confidential resources. They won't ask them to identify themselves, and they won't require them to take any action they're not ready to take. But it is a source of help. And I, I, so I think it's very important that we do that. I do know, I don't, I'm not saying I know anything going on here, because I don't. But I do know, in general, this exists in the church, and it should not be. And so we should take a stand against it. And so this is our, our chance to kind of take a stand against that kind of thing. All right. Thank you. When you have conflict, you have a couple of elements. And the first one is you've got two opponents, because unless you're kind of odd, you need another person to argue with, OK? Some of us don't, but you know, most of us do. Um, so, so you've got two things. You've got the two people who have set themselves in opposition to one another. Uh, they see this as a competition that they have to win. They're willing to bring what I call uh, weapons to the fight. And so all these words that you see, yelling, and uh, you, you've got blame and shame and all these other things, intimidation, sarcasm. Some of us are really sarcastic. And we think it's cute, but it's har harmful. It's hurtful, especially when you use it on your children. If, you, if we use it on our children, um, it might seem cute, but it's not. It's a weapon. It's one of the weapons that comes, that, that we bring conflict to relationships. Insults, yelling, the silent treatment. That's a weapon. It's a weapon. It's like I'm, I'm withdrawing my affection. I'm withdrawing my fellowship from you because I'm mad at you. And so even though it's quiet, it's not like yelling, it's still a weapon. And so in conflict, we've got these two people who are in opposition, and they're bringing all these weapons to the fight. And it is the attitude that we have that makes us want to bring these weapons against people we care about. That's what makes the difference between conflict and a simple argument. When you argue and you fussing because you, know, you like the Redskins and you like Dallas, and really, who cares? Right? But when you're fussing about stuff that, you, okay, y'all might care, but you know what I'm saying, right? That's, you, nobody's going to get, well. <laughs> okay, so normal people will get a little, you know, they'll get worked up on game day, but on Wednesday, nobody remembers that, right? Do you see what I'm saying? But when you get into serious conflict, you carry that pain with you through your day and through your week. And it affects your relationship later after the fight is over. This is the kind of conflict that we're talking about. So 
I'm going to rush through this one. We, you'll see, um, if you get the video, the conflict cycle that we talked about. But just quickly, we used Joe and Mary, made up the names. We don't know you, Joe and Mary. Um, but what we did was we said, Joe says something or he does something. And then the second thing, on the second box you see up here on the right is Mary's reaction. You may not be able to read it, but it says Mary reacts to what Joe said. And she got angry and defensive and hurt. And the third box shows that Mary reacts out of that emotion. And so she's hurling insults and blame and criticism, all this stuff at Joe. And Joe goes up in flames. He responds the same way. He's hurt. He's offended. And then he hurls some insults at her. And what happens is they get into a conflict cycle. And they are responding to the hurt and the pain and the anger. And they forgot what in the world they were arguing about. They don't even know anymore. Right? And so you've probably in your life been, into, been in something like that. So what you remember is all those weapons that person hurled at you that injured your heart, but you don't remember what you were talking about. So this is the damage that conflict does. It gets very personal, and it's designed to strike out of the other person, and it's calculated to hurt, to hurt them. It's calculated to win the fight, and it's very dangerous. And we don't like it. So that's a brief review from last week. What we want to do now is we want to share a little bit about how we can avoid needless conflict. So you saw in the little example that I just did with Joe and Mary that usually conflict, it usually starts over words that we use. It's, I mean, you could, we could take an action that would get it started. But usually that conflict, that back and forth starts because somebody says something. Sometimes we start something intentionally, and sometimes we start something unintentionally. And so I think that we get things started when we make statements either with purpose or with what I call poison, and I kind of use that word a little bit loosely. So let's talk a little bit about that. In Ecclesiastes, you see that there is an appointed time for everything, and there is a time for every event under heaven. And so if we have a truth that we have to speak to someone, and when the timing is right, it is time to say those things. And just as an example, if you're a parent, anybody have like two, three, four-year-olds? Or used to have them? Anybody have <laughs> 13, 14, 15-year-olds? Yes? How many times do you tell them no to something and have them say, okay, I'm going to obey you because I'm such a wonderful child. Anybody got any of those children? Because you can send them to my house. I, I don't know too many people with two and three and four-year-olds especially. And when they get to be teenagers, that's a whole other thing. There are times when we have to speak. <laughs> I started praying. There are times when we have to speak the truth, not only in love, but we have to speak the truth in authority and power at times. And one of, the, one of the places where this gets tricky sometimes is when we are in blended families. It can be very tricky when we're in blended families because the parents start getting kind of attitude about what you just, what you just say to my child. You know, we start getting attitudinal. And so there are times, though, when we have to speak the truth in love. We have to work out those relationship issues because it must be said. So my point here is that we can speak with a purpose or we can speak with poison, and either one of those can cause conflict. When you have a purpose that is legitimate and necessary, you, you have to make the statement, you have to take a stand, even if conflict might arise. So the bottom line is we're not telling you avoid conflict at all costs, because that's not usually, that's not always reasonable. 
You have, to, you have to do some things. If you're afraid to be the unpopular parent, your child's gonna be running through Walmart, tearing up the store, and all the rest of us are gonna be looking at you funny. Because you know, we, we grew up with strict parents, so our parents didn't play that. So we're gonna be looking at, you gonna look at your kids funny if they're tearing up, tearing up Walmart. So there are times to say things that need to be said. All right. I wanted to give you a quick example, a Bible example, because you know we thought everybody in the Bible was like so sweet and kind and nothing ever bad ever happened and they were just such nice people because they were in the Bible, right? Um, Galatians t- tells us a time where, you know, you know, the apostle Paul got his assignment on, on, on the road, getting knocked off his horse, he was blinded, and Jesus said, here, I'm gonna you know, send you out to minister and show you all the things you have to suffer and you know, on and on, you know that story. Well, Paul didn't bother to go and check in with the apostles and say, look, I'm just checking in, dudes, and see, you know, I got this assignment. I just want to make sure y'all agree with me. He didn't do any of that. He just went, and he did his thing. And there was a time when he was ministering um, to, in Antioch, and some of the apostles from uh, Jerusalem came, and Peter was among them. Peter, well, Peter was in Jerusalem, uh, excuse me, in Antioch ministering, and he was hanging out with the Gentiles, and it was no big deal. Uh, and if I, you know, the Bible theologians might have to correct me, but if I understand the story correctly, James, the apostle James, was back in Jerusalem. He had his church, and his boys were real strict about the law. And they were kind of messed up when people didn't teach the Gentiles to follow the Jewish law. So they showed up in Antioch, and Peter uh, got a little bit um, nervous about, I guess, his witness. So he pulled back and started ignoring the Gentiles that he had been having dinner with and, you know, kind of hanging out with. And Paul says in this scripture in Galatians that he, um, I think the King James said, I withstood him. It says in this version, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. He said, for prior to coming, prior to the coming of certain men from James, he, meaning Peter, used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they came, he began to withdraw and hold himself aloof, fearing the party of the circumcision, meaning the people that came with James. So he was afraid of what they would think about him. And the Apostle Paul, having been the one who was trying to kill all these people just a little while back, had the courage to stand and speak the truth in power to Peter to say, you are wrong. It's hypocritical and you are wrong and you should stop. So there are times when we absolutely have to speak the truth in love and it's appropriate. Having said that, I also wanna say that that is absolutely not licensed to go around meddling in other people's business. Anybody want me to say that again? It is not a license to meddle in other people's business. The Bible actually talks about not being busybodies. It actually tells us we should not be busybodies meddling in other people's business, gossiping and all that. Telling, jumping in other people's business, telling them what to do, telling them how to live just because you think you can is also not appropriate. So that's not what I mean when I say if you have to say something, you say something. So hopefully you'll understand the, the difference. If not, ask somebody, they'll tell you. <laughs> All right, so now, so when I say that conflict can cause from a purpose, we talked about the purpose, and conflict can cause from poison, I use the word loosely. Some of the things that can poison our communication are speaking with wrong motives, and speaking with bad attitudes. Um, let's see. In Luke 6.45, it says, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And the reason I put that there is because sometimes we have things inside us, sometimes we don't even know about. 
And so sometimes we poison our communication because we've got those unknown things hidden down in there from all kinds of sources. Um, and one of the reasons we, you know, those of you who were here last week, you heard uh, that we work with engaged couples. We, we, we do uh, some coaching with engaged couples. And one of the things we do is we use some tools that help them to kind of uncover some of those potential sources, those potential unconscious minefields that they may have so that they can kind of bring them out into the daylight, talk about them, and hopefully create some tools to help them avoid those things in the future. So, <laughs> everybody brings something to a relationship. It may be good, it may not be good. Your socialization, your environment, all that's responsible for what you bring to the relationship. And we just call it luggage. Now, sometimes you have that pretty Samsonite that you bring in, you know, or that uh, American tourister that you bring in. And then there are other times where you might bring in a couple pieces of luggage that um, nobody wants. And there could be other times where you bring a whole plethora <laughs> of junk into the relationship and you want the person to be able to adjust to it. So, uh, you know, when, we, when we're doing our, our thing with the couples, we do what's called, an, uh, Alfred Adler is a psychologist, and we do an Adlerian lifestyle assessment. And what we look at is from when you were very young to where you are now and how your socialization and environment made you into the person that you are, and just as importantly, who the person is that you want this person to deal with, the other person to deal with. And sometimes there's some revealing and interesting things. Some things you don't even remember or know how they affect you. So it's really important that, you know, not coming to us, that you examine your history when you're in a relationship because that could affect why you pop off at your boss because maybe you don't like authority because you had issues when you were younger. Or you have problems with your spouse because of how your, you know, your, your father acted towards the mother. Uh, Pay attention to those things. They're real important and they translate into how you avoid conflicts in a relationship because sometimes you're in conflict. Some people are just like that and they don't know how because they're carrying anger and bitterness in things from the past that they're bringing to the future. So it's important to examine who you are. Some of the things that we do too, we have some personality uh, profile tools mm -hmm. that we use and we use them to see how people are hardwired and some things about their habits and beliefs in Romans 12, three through eight, um, let me see, I'm not sure if I have that. But in Romans 3, um, 12, three through eight, th there is a set of gifts that some people have called the motivational gifts. It's got uh, service and mercy and leadership and prophecy, those gifts, that, I don't know if you're familiar with them, but if you, if, you, if you read that in the scripture, you'll see that we're really kind of hardwired and gifted with those inclinations. If you ever take, get in a room with people and take some of those tests, you will f find that people with similar gifts, they can almost complete each other's sentences because they think very much, this, very similarly in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. And so we like to look at those too because almost every area for which we have a gift can have a downside. So for example, if you are a person with a profit motivation, one of the things that you probably notice, you probably notice right and wrong a lot. And if you have that as a strong characteristic in your family, you may go around pointing the finger 
at everybody about everything because y'all ain't right, right? Because you, you have this strong sense inside of you about what's right and wrong. But and when you're talking about interpersonal relationships, going around pointing fingers at everybody, even your children, and insulting them or judging them at every turn will damage your relationship and could damage someone's uh, self-esteem. And then they carry that low self-esteem out into their lives. Mm -hmm. And so that's why we talk about those things, because it helps people sometimes to see why they see themselves and why they see the world the way they do. And it helps the other person know, this is what you're dealing with. This is not going to change when you get to the altar and say, I do, in front of Pastor Say. <laughs> right? Just because you said, I do, that doesn't like, oh, let's wipe all that stuff out. That does mm -hmm. not work. Mm -hmm. And so we want people to see what they're dealing with. Mm -hmm. All right. So thank you. So. <laughs> So we try to help them not just to see all this lovely stuff, but to put it in perspective and to also come up with some ideas for how they can sidestep some of the obvious clashing that you can predict is going to happen. Because if you can avoid having a big old nasty argument and casting these <coughs> weapons that we talked about, if you can avoid that, that's some ill feeling you never build up to begin with. Mm -hmm. You don't have to undo what you never start. <coughs> and so that's why we do that and that's why we encourage you to to think about those things, even in your family relationships. Um, one thing that I want to say, one final word about stirring up needless conflicts, too, is that um, we can stir up needless conflict when we, not only when we say things with wrong motives uh, or wrong attitudes, but when we speak at the wrong time or whether we are, or, or when we are speaking and we shouldn't be speaking at all. Silence is golden. And there are many times that silence is required, necessary, and a good mm -hmm. thing. Sometimes people use the phrase, I'm just keeping it real. Sometimes you need to keep it real silent. <laughs> <clears throat> so, did the church say amen? amen. <laughs> <laughs> so I just wanted to, I'm going to just put these up here very briefly. So all these poisons I'm talking about, um, the Bible has some great things to say to us about, um, and I won't dig into them too deeply, but um, putting away these poisons, one way is to renew our minds, because we think we know everything, and we think we're right, and we like the way we are, and whatever. But the Bible is going to show us who we are, and show us where we need to change. Second, um, we want to use the Word of God as a mirror, because we don't want to just kind of come to the Bible and say, oh yeah, all those are really nice stories, I like those. We want to see how it reflects our lives so that we can, so we know those areas. I'm not saying that you go out and just sort of fix yourself. What I am saying is that when we see where we don't match what the Bible says we should be, this is the place where we go and we fall on our faces before God and we say, cleanse me. We repent and we ask the Lord for his help to do what we cannot do for ourselves. We can't do all of it, so, and we don't have to, that's the good news. And of course, the third way that we can avoid poisoning our relationship is um, something that's very profoundly spiritual, and that is to zip thy lip. <laughs> In Proverbs 17, 28, it tells us that even a fool, if he keeps his mouth closed, people will think he is wise. So sometimes you just look, just look smart. <laughs> just look smart, just look wise, and just don't talk. So many times that's the answer to our problems. All right. So you can renew your mind um, with prayer also to help you change the way you see things. All right, my turn. Resolving conflict. Mm -hmm. Y'all remember that? Anybody use it to make it work for them? 
Yay. I didn't say just use it, but use it to make it work for you. Good. Keep it up. You could have said anything. You could have said supercalifragilisticexpialidocious, but this is so much better. This is so much better. And for those that weren't here last week, get the tape. All right. Listen, back in 1951, no, I wasn't around. There was a game show. It was called Can You Top This? And on that game show, a comedian would come in and they would tell a joke. And there would be a panel of judges. And then another comedian would come in and tell another joke. And the idea was that the second teller was trying to top the first teller. All right, you've got, you know, you did better joke. You, you won whatever the prize was. There's nothing funny about being in conflict. But we play that game. Can you top this? Because we all got them little egos that we're so concerned about being bruised, even with our spouses, the one that knows you better than anyone else. So the person who may have had a bad day will say something. And you're going to now play the game without announcing it. Let's play. Can you top this? And you say something. And now you've hurt them because your precious little whatever was hurt. And now they're going to top you. And you keep going and you keep going. At some point, someone has to have the maturity to stop it, to not go to that next one, to recognize that we're in conflict and there's a fork in the road and I can go this way and not only can I help resolve the conflict, but I can keep peace or I can go this way. I'll get my point across and I'll win. But have you really won? All right. So be real careful about that. So the first of our seven, make the first move. Don't wait. You're like, what? Make the first move. Step up to the plate and make the first move towards reconciliation even if you are not at fault. Yeah. <laughs> mm. Even if you're not, even if you're not at fault, make the first move. See, it's not important whether when you make that first move, you're rebuffed or it's rejected. What's important is that you will be the best man and woman of God that you can be. That is far more important than winning or saying, well, my feelings are hurt. Let them make the first move. It doesn't work that way. You make the first move. Why? Simple. Reconciliation is important to God. Check out Matthew chapter 5, 23, 24. Therefore, if you are presenting your offering at the altar, and there, remember that your brother has something against you. Leave your offering there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come present and present your offering. As important as an offering is to God, he is telling you, leave the offering, go take care of business with your brother and sister, and then come back before me after you've dealt with that. Husbands and wives, think about that stuff before you come to church. Okay, we'll just leave that alone. Just saying. Conflict resolution, it's intentional. Conflicts don't resolve themselves by accident. You may have heard the expression. What is the expression? Time heals all wounds. 
No, it don't. Break your leg and don't do anything with it. <laughs> just let it <laughs> 10, 20 years. Just leave it alone. It'll be fine. Then they call you funny walk. Time does not heal all wounds. If, conf if conflict is swept under the rug, ignored, or if you re refuse to resolve it, it continues to fester and it will affect the relationship. There are some of us in here that um, maybe there's a little thing. Like I said, you left a sock and there's a big blow up in the house and you can't figure out where that came from. A lot of times that's because there's unresolved conflict and it continues to build and build and build and build and finally, like Mount Vesuvius, it blows up and you don't know where that came from. But it's because you didn't take care of business back here when you had the opportunity to keep the small things small. Small things stay small until there are many of them and then they become big things. Okay? All right. So turn to uh, Matthew 5.9. And I, and I did the uh, Amplify because I like the translation here. Blessed, spiritually calm, with life joy, in God's favor, are the makers and maintainers of peace. For they will express his character and be called the sons of God. God wants you to be a peacemaker. Peacemakers take the initiative to resolve conflict. Now, you can find the courage and humbleness through the Holy Spirit. Remember, there's no fear in love. Got an example for you. It's a burning house. It'd be crazy to go back in that burning house. Suppose your child's in there. You don't even think about it. Your fear of burning to a crispy critter doesn't weigh the love you have for that child and risking your life to go with that child. Love does conquer all, okay? And I got one for you husbands. Husbands, raise your hand. Yeah, okay. Turn to 1 Peter 3.7. And again, I, I'm taking this from the Amplified. Husbands, go woo, woo, woo. <laughs> in the same way, you husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way with great gentleness and tact, and with an intelligent regard for the marriage relationship. As with someone physically weaker, since she is a woman, show her honor and respect as a fellow heir of the grace of life, so that your prayers will not be hindered or ineffective. This is a great scripture for husbands that are having some challenges to remember. Because remember, it's more important with your relationship with God than your relationship with your wife. So you work on that relationship and do what God tells you to do in his word. Wifey will take care of itself. But you've got to do the word. Okay? So, uh, look, there are probably some people in here that on the way to church argued. All right? There, there's probably somebody here that when they were out in the parking lot, they had an argument and they continued and they came in here. Get this stuff resolved because like we said last week, tomorrow is prom prom tomorrow's not promised. And, and okay, I don't know how to start. Easy. Always, always, always go to God first. Let him guide you for the proper time and how you should approach that person. Pray for that person. Pray for yourself. 
before you go to the uh, person to reconcile. God knows best. If you trust him, then trust him. Don't pick and choose when you trust him. Trust him. Okay? And he'll give you the direction you need for reconciliation. All right. So step two um, is ask God for wisdom. And this is going to be brief. I wanted to just toss in one little comment. We know that we have a lot of passages. We have a lot of points to make tonight. We wanted to try to make sure we could do our best to help, you know, all of us with this information. Um, so what we did, we have a website for our, um, our marriage coaching is lovingthesun.com, sun with an S-O-N. At the very end, you will see um, a website link that I'm going to put these notes on the website. And if you want to download them, you can just go and download them. I know someone said, I know you wanted a copy of them. But if you all will go and download them, if you can't, you can always give me your email address and I will send it to you. I got to get them in shape to share. But um, so, so that way, if you're trying to write, if you like me, I like notes, mm -hmm. but I also like to listen. So if, you, if you're thinking you might miss these points, uh, we'll have them available for you if you want them. So step two is ask God for wisdom. It seems so obvious, but sometimes we forget in our everyday life. We think about it with big spiritual things, but sometimes every day we forget that we can trust God with even the small things in our lives. And so James 1 says to us, one of my favorite scriptures, because I have to use it all the time, it says, but if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all men generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. When I first got saved, for some reason, all the other people were praying for all the other spiritual gifts, and I just kept saying, Lord, I just want wisdom. I don't know why I was like obsessed with it. So I love wisdom. It will keep you out of so much trouble. It's just amazing how much trouble you will never get into and have to try to get yourself out of. So if you ask God for wisdom, here are just some ideas about some things that you can ask him for. You can ask him for the right attitude, you know, help him to show you how you present yourself, mm -hmm. the right approach to the person that you want to talk to, the right time. If you are asking for uh, something critical or having a critical conversation, don't wait till the, your wife is changing the baby or bathing the baby. Don't wait till your husband is glued in front of the Dallas Redskins game. So you, you have to be wise about how you approach a person when you know that you're likely to cause conflict. And the other thing is similar to um, my very spiritual advice of zip your lip, which is, excuse me, ask for, uh, ask the Lord whether you should speak at all. There are some things, sometimes when we have hurts, we should go to the person and, and talk with them and be reconciled. Some of us are really easily hurt. Some of us are a little bit touchy. You know, some of our feelings, we are, we are more tenderhearted and we're more easily injured by things that people say and do. And if you're that kind of person, what I want to suggest to you is that you don't have to necessarily say to everybody every time that if you hurt all the time, you don't always have to take all that hurt and say, you hurt me. Sometimes you just got hurt. And sometimes wisdom means you take that and you cast that care mm -hmm. upon the Lord because he cares for us and we ask him to heal our hurts. If you, cast, if, you, if you get hurt easily and you're always telling everybody how they hurt you, after a while, people are gonna do like this when they see you. And you're gonna wonder where everybody went. It's too much of a burden for people to bear if you're always sucking up hurt out of the atmosphere. Mm -hmm. And number three, take accountability for your role in the conflict. Take a look inward. Find out, find out where you're at fault. Someone comes in and, and, and the sock thing and they're upset because you left the socks on, you know, take the accountability. Yeah, they're upset because I left the sock. Not that they're nagging you, you left the sock and I'm sure it's not the first time you did it, okay? So 
take a look inward and find out where you're accountable. That really, really just calms it if you admit to what you did wrong. Don't be accusatory. People become defensive when you are accusatory and you get nowhere. Don't make it personal. Be filled with Jesus, okay? Now this is gonna take some practice. Not because Jesus is not in you and all that. Sometimes we just, it's easy to recognize Jesus when you're in here doing praise and worship and having a good time. But when you're highly charged emotionally, that's when you really know where Jesus is in your life and what God means to you. So think about that sometimes, you know, when you've had some conflict and go, was I thinking about the Lord and the right way to do this? Or was I thinking about getting the better of that person? Work on that, okay? Um, let's see, da, 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 da. it's even harder if you believe that you were the one who was wrong. Pride, immaturity, self-centeredness, inflexibility will sabotage your attempts at reconciliation. Empty yourself of these negative traits and work on replacing it with peace and love. It's, it's easier to resolve a conflict than to dissolve a relationship, okay? God may have something for you to do with that very relationship that you're destroying. No one makes you mad, remember that. Oh, they made me mad. No, they didn't. You have a choice on how you react to what anybody brings to you. You have chosen to be mad. No one makes you mad, okay? I got a secret sentence for you because I figured out this secret sentence is going to help you get resolution to your problems. Y'all ready? Huh? Show it. There you go. See how easy that is? I'm sorry. I was only thinking about myself. Okay, that's part one. Real quick, part two. The receiver of that should not come back with, yeah, you sure were, because you always think about yourself. Yeah. All right, that, that doesn't work. Accept it in love and work through the issue. Next. Also remember, emotion can sometimes inhibit your resolution. Okay, um, yeah, turn to Matthew 7, 3, 5. Well, you don't have to, let's do it up here because it's a lot quicker because, you know, we're doing a time thing. Why do you look at the speck that's in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that's in your own eye? You know the scripture. Or how can you say your bro to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye and behold the log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. It's really quick to lay the blame on somebody else. Look inward. There's a log there. There's a log there. Some of the questions you can ask yourself. Am I trying to belittle the person when you're in the middle of this conflict? Because we do that to try to get higher, okay? Am I minimizing the importance of the conflict? It's important to them, but you know, make sure it's not important to you. Am I being unrealistic? Am I being insensitive or oversensitive? What role did I play in this? Be honest. Step four in resolving conflict is to listen for the other person's hurt and also for their perspective. Um, I, I, um, a lot of you probably have heard the term active listening. That means that you put your cell phone down and you put the TV off and you stop you know, multitasking and you actually listen and pay attention to not just listen to the words but to hear the heart 
of what the person is saying to you. And so I want to just point out that hurt often masquerades as anger. When you hear people being you know, yelling and screaming or um, seeming just evil and angry, sometimes they're, 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 what's underneath that is hurt and pain. Mm -hmm. And so what I'm asking you to do is not always easy by any means, but I'm asking you to try to think about what is underneath the anger that you're hearing and try to respond to what's really there and not just the surface on the anger. Slow down, listen with kindness, repeat what you think they're trying to tell you. Uh, sometimes we assume we know what people are trying to tell us and then we get mad about that. Ask them what they're trying to communicate and keep asking until you know what they mean. Five, speak the truth in love. Some of you probably know someone that if they have something on their mind and they'll just say it, okay? They'll always speak their mind. You might be thinking about that person right now. If they believe it should be said, they say it. Back in the day, there was that expression, yeah, tell it like it is. Tell it like it is, is sometimes just rude. And it's not speaking in love. If you say something offensively, it will be responded to defensively. When you speak offensively, people hear the emotion they don't hear the words, resulting in not only your failure to convey your message, but you may also escalate the situation. Remember, remember what your goal is, to resolve the issue without harming the relationship. It should be your goal. You can't be persuasive when you're abrasive. This is not a contest to see who wins. We've said that before, okay? Ephesians 4.29, you have to turn there. I, I did this one in the Amplified also. Do not let unwholesome foul, profane, worthless, vulgar words ever come out of your mouth, but only such speech as is good for building up others. Think about that when you're in conflict. Do you do the thing to build up others? Of course you don't. Um, according to the need and the occasion, so that it will be a blessing to those who hear you speak. Think about the last time you were in conflict. Did you bless the person in that conflict? Hmm. Okay. Number six is fix the problem, not the blame. The question is not who's to blame for this big old fight, but what is the solution? So switch your focus from the emotions, which can be really high to the solution. Uh, try to identify the real problem. For example, I know we talked to a couple once where she was upset because she felt like he was going out with the boys too much. And when we kind of talked to them a while, really what the, the issue was that, she, it was that she said, well, if you're not with me, I think that you don't care about me because I think all your free time ought to be with with me. So, it, so they thought the argument was about the boys, but the argument was about her insecurity when he was not there. So find out, and you can't find out the real issue unless you are listening and actually caring about mm -hmm. the other person's issue. So, and also know when to compromise or even when to give in gracefully. If you quote win a fight, you need to let the person off the hook gracefully or you're still going to have a little bit of ill feeling. Number seven, focus on reconciliation. If that's your focus, you'll be successful. You may be at an impasse. You may still disagree. That's okay. You don't have to agree with everything. You're two different people, okay? Your goal is to find a way to be at peace at whatever decision is made. You can't resolve every situation. You don't necessarily have to agree on everything. You're at peace in a disagreement. That's okay. You have the differences. That's okay. You have to recognize that and be comfortable in it. You have to commit to be an agent of reconciliation. And you know there's a scripture, of course, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 18 to 20. 
Now all these things are from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Namely, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And he has committed us to the word of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were making an appeal through us. We beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Amen. Amen. Thank Amen. You. Thank you, Lord. We're out of time. And so um, if you, we told you we were going to talk about what to do when it's too late. Check the website that I'll leave up on the board and you will see um, the things that we that we put up there for you. You're not going to do that thing? Pastor, can I have five more minutes, Pastor? Can I have five more minutes? You're not going to do that? No. Okay. <laughs> I just want to check with you. So thank you. We hope that we have uh, been helpful. We hope we've shared something that you can use in your life so that your relationships will be ones that you want to have for the rest of your life. And thank you for your thank you. attention. And a couple of you had some questions from before. We didn't forget about you. Uh, if you want to, you can come to us personally and we will address those, okay? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Pastor's Class. We hope you enjoyed this program. For more messages and Bible study teachings, please visit www.crossoverchurch.tv or give us a call at 301-927-5620. If you live in the D.C., Maryland, or Virginia area, come visit us at our home location, 5340 Baltimore Avenue, Hyattsville, Maryland, 20781. Pastors Class is a weekly Bible study that occurs Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. at our home location. We would love for you to join us. May God bless you and guide you as you continue to study to show thyself approved in the grace of Christ Jesus.